Are you excited to be in the house? We have a few people in here. Y'all could clap. You excited to be in the house of God? Thank you for joining us online. Man, I got a chance to meet some people this weekend from Charlotte who, it's so cool. They were in town visiting their kids and they were like, we discovered your church online in the pandemic. And it's like, now that churches are open, like we've been watching church in our home with a handful of people for a year. And it's like, this is our church. This is our home. And I've met, I know we have people watching from London and um, most of our people who are online are probably in the Southern California area. Um, We're definitely not going to add global to our church quite yet. (laughs) Oasis Global. You got like one person, got an auntie in Zimbabwe as a missionary. Oasis Global. You're not global. You got one person watching outside the United States, and then you change your branding to Oasis Global. So we're not Oasis Global quite yet. However, people are watching from homes all over California. I know there's some people in Texas and Florida and New York, and so I'm excited about that. Seattle, up in Seattle. So it's cool when we get put the comments in the chat right now, like where you're watching from, so it's cool for our team to see. And we have virtual groups that'll be coming up soon, and so our goal for you online is that you will be more connected than ever. If that's the, the location, it's like a campus. That you, it is a campus that you choose to watch from. We want to try to uh, have you be a part of our community however um, you can. I will say this, though, and this is just me pastoring people. Sometimes people are watching online, um, not because God is calling them to, but that is a way that they can be connected without commitment. And I will say... I'm already, I will say, uh, I've never been like a person that's been afraid of losing church members, but I will say if this is how you can stay connected, but not committed, I would rather see you commit in a local church. Um, like if you're not going to join the virtual groups and you just watch us online, I'd rather see you connect or commit to a local church and see how God could use you because God has given each and every one of us this longing to be connected to the body of Christ. And if we're not, we can find fulfillment in other areas. And so if you're watching because your last church hurt you or offended you, man, work that out. Man, make a call. Do what you got to do. We, we are more than happy to have you. Um, but at the same time, we want you to be healthy and whole and full of love and joy. And, and I really believe that God has a community. So if you're watching online, you say, no, that's not me. I'm not offended. I'm not mad at nobody. Uh, I just love Oasis. Then make sure you join a virtual connect group as we start announcing ways that you can get connected. We want to uh, have you be a part of our church family. Sound good? Yeah. This is great. You can do everything online now. Give online. You can, can you serve online? You can't, can you? Oh yeah, you can lead a group online. This is chat host online. This is just, everything's virtual. We're in the technological age, guys. It's amazing. Hey, we're starting a new series, Battles and Blessings. I had this series in my heart for four months because I was gonna call it Burden and Blessing. But then I was having a hard time telling the difference between my burdens and my blessings because sometimes they both feel the same. And then I was like, well, it's kind of the same thing with battles and blessings, because I think we think that blessings don't take a fight. And we're in a season right now where everything God, and, and for some of you, you just came to Christ, right? And I remember when I first came to Jesus, I didn't fight for anything. It, would, it was like the favor of God rained down. If I didn't have any money, I was just walking on a hiking trail, butterfly lands on my shoulder, $100 bill on the ground. That's just what it was. 
when I first came to Jesus, God, like, I, 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 and Lord, forgive me if I'm saying this the wrong way, but you kind of did like a little bait and switch. It was like, come to church. I know, you know, even though you stayed up late at the studio, come to church. And then next thing you know, I was a pastor. So it was a little bit of a bait and switch. But the point is, is that in the beginning, it felt like God was like, like a, like a kid you know, we give things and we provide for our kids. I don't make my kids work for their food, but as they grow older and more mature, if they want things in this life, they're going to have to put up a fight. And I feel like people are thinking that God hasn't called them to something because they're having to put up a fight or they are putting up a fight and they feel like they're losing. And so that means that because there's opposition, that God must not want that opportunity for them. And I want to tell you that many of you in this room are in your greatest season of opposition and now you're trying to give up the opportunity because of the opposition. But the opposition is, is a verification that what God has for you is for you. It's just the enemy doesn't want you to have it. I, can I tell you that the reason why I called this series Battles and Blessings and we want to go through the book of Joshua is because in, I read this verse years ago and it just really stuck out to me. Where God says to the Israelites as they're getting ready to go into the promised land. He says, go and dispossess what I have for you out of the hands of your enemies. The, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Amalekites. And some of y'all got them old termites just all inside of you. It's you. It ain't the enemy. It's just you. And, but he said, you need to dispossess it, which means what? That what you're believing for is in the possession of God's enemies, the kingdom of darkness. And so then now you have to not, it's not given to you, you got to take it. The kingdom of God moves forward, the Bible says, by force. Some things in life we're waiting for and some things in life we have to fight for. And the reason why we're perpetually waiting is because we are perpetually not fighting. And we don't understand that this battle that I'm in that is overwhelming me is connected to the blessing I've been praying about. And the evidence that you are ready for the blessing is that you feel ready for the battle. If you can't handle the battle, you're not ready for the blessing. Because the blessing is harder to deal with than the battle. Come on, anybody got a blessing? You battle to try to have kids and then them blessings show up. And now the blessing in itself is a battle because how do I take care and how do I lead? You pray to get in ministry and then you're in it. <laughs> I'm telling you. I've had people coming to me like, I want to be a pastor like you. If I try to throw you these keys, you better duck. <laughs> oh, pastors gave me the pandemic church. Four months. This is no joke. And so you can't tell the difference between a battle and a blessing. And the Bible says this, and I'm kind of preparing you for where I'm going here. In uh, 2 Corinthians, oh man, I think it's four. Look it up. It says these light and momentary troubles prepare us for the eternal weight of glory. What is the glory? The fullness of God's goodness. These light and momentary troubles, battles, prepare us for the eternal weight 
the heaviness of God's goodness. So let's say you are in, in a, uh, you're working out and you're trying to get buff, you're trying to get like ripped. Two tickets to the gun show. How you get muscle is lifting something heavy. So I'm prophesying over you that some of your prayers are so huge and will reveal the glory of God, the goodness of God, and not just your life, but everybody who watches God give you those blessings, that to prepare you for the eternal weight of the glory of the good thing you're praying about, he has to put you in the gym with problems. So you lift weights with problems so that you can handle the blessings. Can I just give you a word? The blessings are heavier than the battles. They are. Somebody sent me this verse today in Jeremiah uh, chapter four. I don't know where it is. I'm just like on fire today. It's in Jeremiah. I do know that. And Jeremiah is complaining to God about the battles he's in. And it, say, and it says that God tells Jeremiah, if you can't run with men, how will you run with horses? If the, if the promised land is bothering you, how will you handle the thickets of Jordan? He's saying, if people are bothering you, can you imagine? How do you, if you can't even run with people, how do you run with horses? Can any person run with a horse? No, that's a supernatural pace that God has called us to keep up with. And if we can't keep up with the problems people are causing us, how do we keep up with the supernatural problems that God? If, you're, if you can't handle the promised land, what are you going to do when things get rough? And I felt like God wanted me to tell somebody, you're in the promised land. We're going to go through the book of Joshua, and you know what we're going to look at? A bunch of fights. <laughs> Not for the land, in the land. Oh man, I feel like preaching on a, I'm telling you, I feel like preaching tonight. Did you hear what I just said? I wish I could say it in Spanish. Como estas ahora ven aquí? I don't even know what I said, but I feel like saying this in many languages. Did you hear what I just said? I can tell if you're in your promise by the intensity of the battle. And you think you're fighting for it, you're fighting in it. Anybody in a fight right now? You're not fighting for it. You're fighting in it. And if it's the hardest battle you've ever been in, that's evidence that you're in the promised land. I, you got to understand this. Okay. So, and I'm going to read a scripture. It's like, don't worry about it. I am going to read a scripture, but I'm just kind of giving you the, the, the pre-show, if you will. So they're in Egypt, the Israelites, not you, um, the, the Israelites, they're in Egypt and they're enslaved. Every Bible scholar agrees that Egypt represents sin in the Bible, like it's a picture of sin. Pharaoh is a picture of the devil. Moses would be the deliverer. He's a picture of like Jesus, and he gets them out of sin. So their job is to leave Egypt. That's their only job. Their job is not to fight. Their job is to leave. So some of us, and I'm talking to a different audience because some of us, we're not in our promised land because there's something God is asking us to leave. And the reason why you had to leave it and don't make it about what you left, make it about where you're going. Like it's I, like I talk about that illustration about 
Jesus is like a lifeguard that saves us out of a terrible water and we run around telling everybody about the water instead of Jesus. Don't go in it. It's dangerous. And people preach about sin and truth and truth and truth. No, don't tell them about the water. Tell them about the lifeguard. That's what this is about. So then they, they leave. Their job is to leave. That's it. Some of you, God is cheering because you left. You left that old life. You left that old habit. You left that old person. And we can get so like caught up that the fact that there even was a thing that we had to leave or a place that we had to leave, we don't realize that God is like, good job, you left. Now watch this. This is going to preach to somebody. So they left. They're at the edge of the Red Sea. And some of y'all next, read your Bible so I don't have to give you this much in advance. (laughs) But They step to the front of the Red Sea and they start praying. You got to read the book of Exodus. God tells them, don't pray. Go. He literally says, why are you crying out to me? Go. I didn't tell you to pray. Run. Leave. And they leave. The the Bible says the waters part. The Israelites go across the Red Sea. And when they get to the place that God had called them to, what they left, Egypt, Pharaoh and all of his chariots tried to pursue them and the waters closed up over their enemies. They never had to fight, not one time. And so then they're in the wilderness now and they're learning to worship God. And it was an eight day journey from the wilderness to the promised land of the scripture I'm about to read. And the Bible says that what was an eight day journey took 40 years. It took them 40 years to figure out how to be worshipers. And God only intended it to be eight days. I want you to understand that God's original plan for people who were in slavery for 400 years, doesn't matter how long you've been in bondage, some of y'all been making mistakes for three months and you think it's over. They were doing stuff for 400 years and God says, it's eight days until you're ready. And it ended up taking them 40 years. This is eight days. This is how much grace God has for you. 400 years, eight days. Eight days. And so they start disobeying, wanting some of the things, missing the things that slavery provided. Let me tell you something. God is your provider, but so is slavery. Slavery will provide things for you that God wants to provide. So they started missing some of those things and wanted to go back. And so then um, fast forward to um, this, this chapter in Numbers. Again, I'm encouraging you to read your Bible. So the next time I'll have to give you this, but this is important. I can't read Joshua if I don't tell you the backstory. It's kind of like all those stupid Star Wars movies that like they make like the main movie and then they make another movie after the main movie that tells you what happened before the main movie that you just watched and you get all confused. Is this just me? For all you Star Wars fans? Like they get all happy? This, is the, this one's the prequel. Why didn't they make that one first? I just watched what happened and now I have to watch a movie about what happened before what I just watched happened. I'm confused. So I got to give you the prequel. So in numbers, they're in the wilderness and they're getting ready to be obedient. The Bible says that God sends 12 spies to check out the promised land and they go check it out. And 10 of the spies said, no way. Two of the spies said, way, no way, way. Those two spies were Caleb and Joshua and Joshua tried to encourage the other 10. We can take this. And they said, no, the enemy's too big. I mean, the land is great, but I won't be able to do what I need to do to get it. 
And so the Bible says that God made the choice for the generations, that generation of the, the 12, because it was one person from each tribe, he waited for the, all the, the 10 tribes, everyone who was alive from those 10 tribes to die off before the two could go to the promised land. So churches are losing members. Some of us are losing friends. And the reason why prophetically is because God is waiting for certain people to not be in the picture because he doesn't want them to participate in what he's about to give you. And so the Bible says that part of these people was even Moses because Moses was a leader who spoke to the rock or struck the rock when there was this rock that provided water. Moses spoke to the rock, excuse me, struck the rock instead of speaking to the rock and God didn't want him to do it. The dangerous part of that scripture is Moses was the leader. He was the pastor of Israel. And I want you to catch this. The pastor of Israel was doing something that was working, but God did not want him to do it. And so it wasn't God just because it was working. And so water came out of that rock when Moses struck and God said, but I didn't want you to do that. Doesn't matter if it's filling up your churches. Doesn't matter if growth track is bigger than it ever was. Doesn't matter if you have more people. Doesn't matter if you're on your 12th campus. That's not what I wanted you to do. And so then God had to wait for Moses to die off because Moses was doing something that was working, but it wasn't the Lord. And we pick up in Joshua chapter one, verse one. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant. Anybody feel like they feel called to something? Like you feel called to something? Like I, I love, as a pastor, I get to hear all the time that people feel called to things. And it's never I feel called to serve. They never say I feel called to give. I shouldn't say never, but hardly ever. They never say I feel called to dig ditches or help my dad build his land, landscaping business by mowing lawns. It's always you feel called to do something awesome. I've never heard someone say I feel called to be an assistant. I was watching Brandon uh, MC and I was thinking about this passage of scripture and Brandon is my assistant. And that dude is anointed, but he's an assistant. Joshua was Moses' assistant. You went from being an assistant to being the man. And the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Doesn't that seem insensitive? <laughs> we talk about God being the comforter. God is a comforter. The Bible says that all of Israel was mourning um, Moses' death. I want you to read, I want to read this real quickly. Deuteronomy 34, verses 7 through 10. Moses was 120 years old when he died, yet his eyesight was clear and he was as strong as ever. So then the Lord didn't transition him because he was failing. The Lord transitioned him because it was time. Dang, this is good stuff. So then as a leader, I don't stop doing something when I'm ready to stop doing it. I stop doing it when you're ready to do what I'm doing. I'm as strong as ever. I got eyesight. I got vision. But sit down somewhere. Lift your hands to the Lord. Later we would feel that when Moses was worshiping and Joshua was battle, fighting, they won the battle. And when Moses stopped worshiping, Joshua started losing. 
What if there are anointed leaders who are fighting instead of worshiping? And now the whole young generation is, um, his eyesight was clear and he was strong as ever. The people of Israel mourned for Moses on the plains of Moab for 30 days until the customary period of mourning was over. So it was the custom in Israel to grieve the death of someone 30 days. And Bible scholars say that God watched Joshua grieve for 30 days and showed up on day 31. And all he said was, Moses is dead. What are you going to do? That thing is dead. It's over. You've been crying 30 days, day 31, it's over. It's, he's dead. And I love that he didn't call Moses his leader. He called Moses his servant. I believe there's an obsession with leadership in the body of Christ. And Moses was one of the greatest leaders in the Bible. And God called him his servant. My servant is dead. Now, therefore. Some of us, we have things that we feel like that are dying. We have relationships that are dying. But God said that death needs to create a therefore. Uh, therefore. Arise. That thing went down, so you got to get up. So the focus is on the thing that is down. And God said, Arise. Which means that Moses, which, why, did, why did God say, Arise to Joshua? This is the first thing I want you to get in battles of blessings. I want you to write this down. It is prophetic. I know you're detailed. I know you are uh, love to have more than what I'm about to tell you, but I want to write this down if you're taking notes. Usually I have some great, real two sentence tagline, but I just want you to write this down Arise. Get up. Why did God tell Joshua? To arise. He didn't tell him to rise because he was mourning. He told him to get up out of the place he was mourning. Moses, Joshua was on his face weeping. And God told him to get up. Get up. I'm raising you up. He says, go over this Jordan, you and all these people, into the land I'm giving them, to the people of Israel. And watch this verse. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. Not I will, I have. Oh my God, this is a great message. I'm gonna need like an hour. <laughs> T.D. Jakes takes an hour, I ain't there with Bishop yet. So, where did God bless? Did God bless a dream or a purpose? Did he, did he, did he say, hey, I'm, I'm going to bless your music. I'm, I'm going to bless your, your, your career. I'm going to bless your ministry. Did he say any of that? I want to. He said, I'm going to put a blessing on the sole of your foot. I'm not blessing you. I'm blessing your feet. So then now what would the enemy try to get you to do if God said, I'm putting the blessing on the sole of your foot? He would try to get you stuck in indecision and uncertainty 
and have you contemplate instead of walk. Because if the blessing's on your shoe, you better start walking. Let me put my shoe back on before I get a crease. (laughs) So I see believers praying, but they're not walking. He says, I'm blessing where you put your feet. So we use our feet to try to get to somewhere that we would call a blessing. But the way that I know that you're headed to where God has to you, whatever your promise is, is that you're in a season where for some reason, everywhere you go is blessed. You get a job at Starbucks and all of a sudden it becomes the number one store. You get a job in this place and all of a sudden you're working in the kids ministry and they've never seen more kids. You're working at your job and they've never had more profit. Why? Because God is putting a blessing on where you go. And so the worst thing for you to be as a believer is stagnant because you're afraid of the battles. Most people don't have blessings because they're afraid of the battles. Now, I got to warn you. Every step Joshua took was a fight. Every step. Every step. Every step. Except the first one. And we're going to get to that sermon later. He says, I'm I'm putting a blessing on the sole of your foot, and I have given you its past tense. Just as I promised Moses. So he's connecting his calling to legacy. So I'm going to do for you what I did for Moses. And he starts going from the wilderness of this Lebanon and as far as the great river. I mean, I don't know what you want from Palmdale all the way to Simi Valley, wherever, down to San Diego, Bakersfield. Good Lord. Tough place to live. It's hot. It says, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Somebody swore to your great-great-granddaddy that he was going to do something for you. And God, even you didn't keep your word to God, he's going to keep his word to your granddaddy. What? And then he goes, I will not leave you or forsake you. Nobody will be able to, to stand before you. And he goes, be strong, courageous, for you shall cause. So, so what is Joshua's purpose? What is the battle really about? The people that would go along for the ride. So true Christianity is not if you go to heaven. It's how many people do you bring with you? That's a real Christian. We don't show up by ourselves. See, some of us are living our lives where we are so enamored with God, with what God's doing for us and our dreams and our purpose. When we get to heaven and there's a reservation, we'll go, party of one. Man, I don't want to get to heaven and go party of one. I mean, I don't know what my party's going to be, but it ain't going to be a party of one. Somebody's going with me. Who's going with you? And so he gives Joshua a purpose that is about people. And if your purpose is not about people, it is not a purpose. And one of the reasons that God puts us in these crazy intense battles, I, I, I mean, these battles, you guys, they're just so, I, I'm going to tell the Lord it's a bad idea. Like this is, 
the battles that I have had to face. And, and usually your battles are in the areas that you put before God. Like if your battles are in relationships, you probably have your relationships on. If your battles are money, you probably put money before God. My battles were money because I put money before God. And so my biggest battle was being broke. I remember going on a date with Christina and watching her order something. Please don't get the steak. Like I'm looking at the menu. She's like, I'll have, and I'm like, don't say the steak, not the New York, not the strip. No God, not the strip. It's the only thing on me is $20. She's like, I have, I'm just not that hungry. I have a house set. Whew. Thank God. I mean, broke and all my battles were financial and nothing I did would get to work. And then my battles became relational. Like I started losing friends because it was just these things where battle after battle after battle, but each one was a step. Now, now here's the thing. Many people think that I was called to be the pastor of Oasis because we like to use that. But what if that was just the place I stepped? <sighs> what if I wasn't called? This is just where I showed up. I'm preaching to somebody right now. I mean, what if I would have went to Hillsong? Maybe I would have been the pastor of Hillsong. Sometimes we think, oh, he was called to Oasis and he wasn't called there. No, this is just where I put my soul. And so then God gave it. What if we lived our life like that? And the key to it is what I'm trying to tell you is not that that's what would have blessed me. That was the biggest blessing for the people. If you don't have the people on your heart, your purpose is way off. It's further away than you think. Am I helping somebody? Yeah. I'm helping somebody. And so why Joshua? I keep thinking about this. And we're going to stay in this book a long time. So if you want to get through all the verses, we'll be fine. <laughs> I'm going to give you a couple reasons why I think Josh. I have no proof. Here's a couple reasons why I think God picked Joshua. Reason number one is his perspective. He saw things that God wanted him to see. Remember the 12 spies went? Joshua and Caleb saw what God wanted them to see. But reason number two, I think, is Exodus 33, verses, verse 11. It says, thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses turned again into the camp, meaning he left the presence of God, his assistant, Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. So Moses would leave the presence of God and Moses was so close to God that Moses would activate the glory of the Lord in the tabernacle. And then Joshua would linger in the presence that Moses had left behind. Whew. Joshua didn't desire to do what Moses did. He wanted the relationship with God Moses had. That's why God picked Joshua. The reason why God wants to pick you or me to do this thing. Now, this is a big thing. I, it might come with some money. It might come. I don't know. I hope it comes with a Tesla. I do. I hope you get the Tesla. I hope you get the Mercedes. I hope you get all the stuff. The Tesla with the white seats. I hope you get it. 
But the reason why God blesses people is not because they want that. They want the relationship with God. And that is a byproduct of their relationship with God. There's nothing wrong with having money. There's nothing wrong with having a dream. But Moses, I mean, Joshua didn't have a dream. His dream was to have, not a practical one, his dream was to have the relationship with God Moses had. So he lingered in the presence of God after Moses was gone. Can you imagine that? Just sitting around in the presence of God. Some of y'all linger in Target and don't linger in prayer. <laughs> and Target, the reason why I say that, I walked around Target for an hour. And sometimes my prayer life is 15 minutes, cool, said my prayers, did my devos. Morning devos. Highlighter, coffee, Bible shop for the gram. And we're in Target for an hour. We can't be with God. So Moses is hanging out with God. Joshua just hanging out with God. This is profound because later uh, in this passage of scripture, God starts breaking this down. Be strong and uh, courageous for you shall cause the people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers I would give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law that my Moses servant, uh, my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it from the right hand or to the left that you may have good success wherever you go. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. You know that word prosperity means? One of the words for it means in the Hebrew, rush. So it's almost like God is saying, if you do what I'm telling you to do, it puts, it, it hits the gas pedal on the purpose. And if you don't obey my word, it slows it down. So I'll make your way prosperous. What is the way? Not your life prosperous, your way. What is God trying to prosper? Not your purpose, your path, your way, your way. What is the way? Every single step you take. So when you step into marriage, it's prosperous. When you step into singleness, it's prosperous. When you step into college, it's prosperous. When you step into your calling, it's prosperous. When you step into Starbucks, it's prosperous. When you step into telemarketing, whatever it is that you do, it's prosperous because God prospered the route, not the destination. That's what he did. Thanks for clapping, Kenneth. This is really good stuff. Hopefully you're clapping online. This is great. And so in Joshua chapter one, and we're going to end here, I believe God gave Joshua a prophetic secret to success. Anybody want to be successful? Make some noise. Somebody in the chat was like, whoop, whoop. You ain't even on like, your internet got like just broken down, man. You borrowing your neighbor's internet. Somebody cheated. You just like, Lord, make me successful. He told Joshua to do a few things. Are you ready? Yeah. Hear the word, think about the word, talk about the word, obey the word. Hear the word, think about the word, talk about the word, obey the word. I'm gonna say that again. God wants us to hear the word, think about the word, talk about the word, obey the word. Once the enemy knows that there's a promise over your life, here's what the enemy wants us to do. Think about the promise, talk about the promise, do something to get the promise. Like with pastors, he wants us to talk about the church. The church, the church, the church, the church, the church, 
The church is the body of Christ. Wouldn't Christina be mad if all I talked about was her body? That's kind of disrespectful, isn't it? No, we became Christians to behold the face of Christ. The Bible says Moses talked to God face to face. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 3, so we are transformed into the image of God when we behold the face of Jesus. When we are obsessed about the body, the church, we, don't freak, we have to behold the face. When Jesus showed up, John the Baptist said, behold, the Lamb of God. Look at him. Whoo, what are you looking at? Oh, I feel, I need like 18 more minutes. Did you? I need 18 more minutes. Because sometimes we're looking at something that God gave us instead of looking at God. There's nothing wrong. The church is amazing. But look at Jesus. Like, the calling's amazing. But look at Jesus. Because when you look at Jesus, the Bible says you transform into what you're looking at. Behold. You become what you behold. So he says, I'm going to give you the secret. Hear the word. Romans 10, 17 says, so faith comes from hearing, hearing from the word of God. Faith doesn't come from what you want from God. It comes from what you heard from God. So sometimes we try to attach our faith to our wants instead of attaching our faith to the word. It's not your wants, it's the word. Did God say that? It don't matter if you want it. I hope you get it. But did God say that? Because when you attach your faith to what you want and not what you heard, you get yourself in trouble and shipwreck your faith pursuing it. Because we, um, A.R. Bernard said this, anthropomorphize God. We give God human qualities. God wants me to have that. God wants me to be happy. That would make me happy. Therefore, God, if I would do it, so should God. That's making God human. And God's not human. He's holy. Think about the word. He told Joshua to meditate on it. What do you think about? Do you think about what God is saying to you and his church and his people? Or do you meditate on your past? Do you meditate on your mistakes? Most people become their mistakes because they meditate on them. Like, if I tell you something good, you don't even remember it. If I tell you something bad, you remember it forever. Remember that time you ever had somebody? <laughs> good things I've said to people that one time in that meeting you told me I almost said for all the black people you told Harpo to beat me I, I, all the black folk laughing from the color purple you told me it did something you was five minutes late for a meeting and then you said that you had to go knowing that I had it was like ten years ago we're meditating on it as a man thinketh in his heart the Bible says so is he you, you are your meditations you become what you think about. So if all you're thinking about is Jesus, you become a lot like him. So he's saying, I need you to meditate. Hear the word, think the word. He says, think about it all the time. Keep the word on your lips. Keep saying it. So here's where most believers lose it. They hear the word. They think about something else. And you think you talk about what you're thinking about. So, you know how many times somebody starts to say, you know what I was thinking? You know how many few times? I can, I, this is an honest truth. And the more that people are successful, the less I hear about Jesus. You know people talk to me about Jesus? Broken people. Jesus has just done so much in my life. I love Jesus. 
He's just word is just speaking to me and they have nothing. And all they talk about is Jesus. And then I talk to people who Jesus has given them everything. And all they talk about is the everything as the paper sticks to my hand. They just talk about the thing that Jesus is. Are we going to talk about Jesus? I spent some time recently with somebody and it is their job to tell people about Jesus. And I spent six hours with this person and they've never mentioned his name. Not once. And I'm like, Lord, do I talk about everything but you? Because I think about you, but do I? Do I talk about Jesus? And one of the things that helped me is I used to talk about church all the time. And lately I've just been like, man, I don't want to talk about that. Church didn't save me. Christ saved me, man. I had to tell somebody about Jesus. And um, as you talk about him, you become like him. And then when you talk about him, then you begin it goes from talking about him to talking with him. And then when you're talking with him, he tells you something and then you want to do it because you love him. Not because you want to. Because you want, you love him. I think my wife asked me to go somewhere one time on a hike. And now I'm pretty physically active. So this was a time before I went. You want to go on a hike? Nope. Well, what do you want to do? Eat chicken wings, watch basketball, and have sex. Those three things. Only thing I want to do. Everything else, I do for you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Everything else. We're not doing those three things. I'm doing it because I love you. She goes, what I, want, I want you to want to do those things. No, I don't want to do those things. I want to do those things. I'll eat chicken wings by myself. If I'm going to go hiking, I want to be with you. I don't want to do that. I want to be with you. So me going hiking with you is an excuse to be with you. So Je Jesus is looking for people that want to be in the music industry because it's an excuse to be, with, be involved in something Jesus is doing. I don't want to do that. I just want to be with you. He said, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I want to close in with this. The promised land that Joshua, that we just read about, and I want to invite the worship team to come up. You go ahead and take this. The promised land that Joshua, we're talking about Joshua chapter one. Exodus 33, God tells Moses about that exact same promised land. And Joshua was there. And God goes, oh, man, I have this great thing for you, man. It's going to be incredible. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be awesome. There's going to be thousands of people and everyone is going to like have their own land. It's going to be incredible. And Moses asked God, 
quick question. Are you going? Because if you're not going, I'd rather stay here in the wilderness in uncertainty because you have revealed yourself here. The Bible says they were in the wilderness and God would show up with a pillar of fire and a cloud of smoke. And so what Moses was trying to tell God is, let me just check, you know, in the wilderness, like we're having to eat manna and it's hot and we're in the wilderness of Egypt. But one thing I know about, uh, excuse me, the wilderness, one thing I know about this place that we're in is that you're here. This place sucks, but it doesn't suck that bad because you're here. The place you're sending me, you're telling me is awesome, but I got to check before I go there. Are you going with me? And God says, no, I'm not going because Israel's a bunch of stiff necked. You know, you mad when you call somebody stiff necked. I'm going to like rebuke somebody in our church. Like you old stiff necked. Israel, a bunch of stiff necked people. And Moses says, I'm not going. Promise me you'll go or I'm not going. I'm staying here in suffering because you're here. That's a person who is overcoming a battle and is ready for the blessing when they're willing to tell God, I don't know why I'm crying so much. I hate this. I'm willing to stay in the battle that Jesus is in rather than go to a blessing he's not in. That's literally what Moses said. And so I want to pray for somebody right now who's in a battle and you're praying and believing for the blessing, but you haven't asked God, are you going? Because one thing I know, this has been the hardest season of my life, but you're here. It's been hard to lead a church, but you've been here. It's been hard to be married, but you've been here. It's been hard to be a dad, but you've been here. It's been hard to be a pastor, but you've been here. It's been hard to be a business owner, but you've been here. And yes, God, I see this thing on the horizon, but I want to ask you, are you going? Because if you're not going, I'd rather stay in my pain, but be in your presence than be in the promise without you. So are you going? Are you going? And it is this type of person that would stay in a battle with God before they'd go to a blessing without him that God's going to raise up in this next season. And the Lord says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard what God wants to do for those who love him. So Father, we come right now and we say, Lord, we don't want it if you're not going. We don't want it if you're not going. In Jesus' name, amen.